put that coffee down. Coffee is for creators only. My name is James Newcomb, and I'm inviting you to an exclusive accountability program that will help you set and achieve your creative goals. It costs nothing but your time and patience. Go to coffeeisforcreators.com to learn more. This is the story of the trumpet in the words of those who play it. Young or old, professional or amateur, you've never missed a day of practice, or maybe you're coming back to rediscover the joy you once knew playing your trumpet. For those who love and are fascinated with this crazy instrument that no one can seem to master or is foolish enough to admit it if they have, this show covers all of the trumpet dynamics. My name is James Newcomb, and I'm excited to bring this episode to you into your earballs. That's a podcasting industry insider term that I just taught you, earballs. I am here in Hanoi, Vietnam. I'm recording this on the 25th of January, 2020. It is the Tet holiday. It is coincides with the Chinese New Year, the Lunar New Year. And so things are quite dead. We uh, usually go out f- for meals and whatnot, and everything is closed. We can't even go out and buy toilet paper. We can't buy bottled water. Uh, we just have to wait until stores open up again. And it's rather interesting to be here. But the good thing is that there's no, there's no, none of those um, crazy scooters <laughs> on the roads that are making all those beeping noises that drive me crazy. So it's actually kind of nice to have some peace and quiet for once. So let me introduce today's featured guest. Floris Onstevader is a up and coming. This is a man, this is a name that you're going to be hearing a lot in the coming years. And I'm just really thrilled to be able to feature him on the podcast here in the, uh, I, I guess you would say it's the beginning of his career. He's a very young man. He's 26 years old and already has quite a impressive list of accomplishments. If you check him out on the web at floresonstevader.com, that's O-N-S-T-W-E-D-D-E-R, floresonstevader.com. Check out his bio, his curricula vitae, very, very impressive young man. And as you're going to hear in the interview, he has a very insightful grasp of music, the role of the trumpet as a musician. You're going to hear a lot about creating that peaceful moment with your audience. And it really begins with you. If you are at peace with yourself, with the music that you're making, then it's just natural that those who are partaking of your art will feel that peace as well. We talk about the soldier's tale, the process of getting commissioned to perform a solo concerto, and much, much more. So, And if you stick around after the raucous ending to the podcast, I'm going to play uh, Floris performing Debussy's Girl with the Flaxen Hair on piccolo trumpet, and after you hear him describe uh, playing it, 
you're going to be impressed just to, to hear his description, but then to actually hear the performance is uh, it's really really a special thing. So I'm going to play that after the uh, the the conclusion where I sign off and everything. Just stick around and you can hear Floris playing "The Girl with the Flaxen Hair" by Claude Debussy. Again, thank you for pressing play. I'm glad you're here, and let's get on with the program with Floris Onstevader. Floris, here you are on the podcast. I'm glad to have you here. Hi, James. Good to hear you. All right. Well, I want to start this, uh, this interview with this question. I want you to imagine that I am a musical ignoramus. I don't know the first thing about how uh, to string three notes together. I don't know the first. I don't even know how to hold a trumpet. I don't know which end of the trumpet to blow into. And I want you to explain to me in 30 seconds or less what you do. Well, uh, we all know music. If you know to play trumpet or not, uh, music, I think it's probably the most popular thing on, the, on earth. And um, in these days, everybody's busy running around, getting their things together. And to once in a while take a step back and enjoy art or music in my field, which is just a complete moment of complete peace and your mind will be free of worries and you can drop everything and be in a harmonious moment all together with the audience in a, in a concert hall. And I'm very uh, happy, lucky, and, and grateful that I can give those moments of peace sometimes on a good day to the people in the audience. So that's, that's what I do, basically. Yeah. So if you give the moment of peace to the audience, sometimes the, the audience has a moment of peace, but the artist is anything but peaceful. They're really stressing yeah. out sometimes. But it should seem still that way. <laughs> the, the, the acting is maybe part of the deal. Uh -huh. Acting. Fake it till you make because, it sometimes. Sure. We are very critical of ourselves, uh, of course. Most critical of all. So, uh, but if you... Jens Lindemann, as you mentioned before, he, uh, he, he taught me once. I, I met him many, many years ago already for the first time. And then I was playing some concerts and I was playing this uh, Haydn cello concerto. And um, of course, I was inspired by Sergei Nagriakov and he plays completely perfect always. So if I made a little mistake somewhere and then people came after uh, to me after the concert and they said, congratulations, bravo. And then I said like, yes, thank you. But it was not my best day. Yesterday was better, etc. Jens taught me, Flores, one thing, if people come to you after the concert and congratulate with the performance, just say thank you. You can be critical of yourself, but uh, don't show the others because they didn't even notice. Exactly. And it, to, to compare yourself to Sergei Nikaryakov. Which I didn't. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's just, and it, it's an unfair comparison because he is who he is. And uh, like you said, he's flawless. I, I've seen so many videos of him and I've never heard any misstep ever in all, probably, I don't know, a hundred videos I've seen him that plus it's not that he plays on safe just to hit the notes or something but he's just a completely musical phenomenal uh, musical player and i don't know many trumpet players if any who play with such um feeling and emotion uh, in the trumpet and and and, and timbre and singing uh, thing and phrasing and stuff he plays like a singer or like a violinist and that's very uncommon in the trump world well put me in touch man we can get him on the podcast sometime yeah, I'm, I'm lucky to be uh, personal friends uh, with him. And he is, he is, as he plays the trumpet, let's say flawless. Yeah, very, very nice person. All right. Well, I want to um, 
because obviously you're pretty well accomplished at a fairly young age. But I want to go back to like the beginning. What got you started? What, what got you interested in the trumpet? And why did you choose it as like, this is going to be your career? This is how you're going to make your bones? I grew up in a, in a musical family. So my mother, she's a, a professional flutist. She plays beautiful. And my gr- grandfather, her father, he was the trumpet player of the family. And um, he gave me my first trumpet, which was a piccolo trumpet. I think I told you that before. Wait, your first quite... trumpet was a piccolo trumpet? Yeah, correct, correct. <laughs> so mad, G piccolo, yeah. So not, not piccolo and A, but G, but still it's, it's, yeah. He had two trumpets. He had a C trumpet and a, and a piccolo. And first of all, the C trumpet was, wasn't quite my size because it was almost as big as myself. It was on my fourth birthday, so I was young still. And the C trumpet, uh, apart from that, he needed himself also because he was playing in the orchestra. So he said, the piccolo you can have. That's all I can give you. Okay, so that's how you got started. But uh, it's one thing to get started on something, and it's another thing to make it a career. When did you realize this is, this is what you wanted to devote your life to? This is completely uh, because of uh, uh, other players uh, in the field, uh, like Winter Marsalis. My granddad gave me with this uh, piccolo trumpet he gave me the C- and cd of winton with kathleen battle oh i love that one <sighs> i love that one i was hooked and uh, i listened to it all day every day and uh, for for a couple of years in a row i was just all all holidays also i was just completely playing that cd and uh, i it was for me the most beautiful thing there is still actually and um I always dreamt of uh, doing uh, something like that, or at least in that direction. And that it turns out that I can do that, uh, the thing that I started as a hobby, now as a, uh, a profession. This is uh, luck. Uh, I'm very, very happy with that also. It's not only luck, of course, it's hard work, but I'm lucky that I'm able to, to do so. Do you still have that trumpet that your grandfather gave you? Of course, I would never sell it. And it's a rare piccolo because... It's it's a Salmer in G, and I had already ten people in master classes, all kinds of professors who said like, "Oh, this is an interesting trumpet. How much do you want for it?" But no way, sorry. Mm-hmm. I met a guy when I lived in Georgia. He um, he was like panhandling, or I should say busking, uh, just one of the suburbs of Atlanta, and he was playing on a G trumpet, or as like mm-hmm. one of those F G trumpets made by uh, Shilke. Shilke. Okay. And, cool. Uh, yeah. And he's he's doing pretty well he'd make 800 bucks in a night just playing like uh <laughs> um maurice andre stuff with like the cello accompaniment i can't remember exactly what it was but there, there he is he's just going from town to town busking playing maurice andre on a g trumpet it was pretty pretty cool that's fantastic well i think if you if you sound like maurice andre you would deserve even more i don't know if he sounded like maurice andre but he was playing maurice andre I love this uh, this kind of uh, music, the piccolo playing. Uh, not 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 all trumpet players like it, but I uh, I, I love it. Might have to do with my uh, my beginning. Yeah, obviously. Well, there's there's that that you have that sentimental connection to it. Yeah, yeah, and and also just um, there's such it's such a bright sound, such a happiness in the the music itself, like this old music in D, and just the 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 the, the high register piccolo playing if you can make it sound in a comfortable way then it's just extremely joyful music and who doesn't want to be joyful well i've i'm no uh trumpetologist myself and i'm not like the expert on history and maybe you can expound on this a little bit but a lot of the people like bach people in 
the era that where you specialize, the Baroque era, um, when they wrote for and they used the trumpet, it, it would just go higher and higher and higher, and almost as though you know they were writing in praise to the heavenly beings. Is is there any is there any, any accuracy to that? Well, how they wrote definitely had to do with. Um the people in their surroundings. So Bach, they had a fantastic trumpet player and Haydn, he wrote for, for, for someone. Um, it's not like these days. You write a concerto and it, 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 it goes over the world and people who want to play it. Now. So uh, it, it, it's, it's related to the, um, to the players they worked with. So like so Bach would have, he had one trumpet player that he knew could handle this and so he wrote it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you've premiered a couple of concertos in your day, haven't you? Yeah, not long ago, actually. Last this year, this year I did uh, I did several, but the biggest one is this year. Uh, it was a tour. It was eight concerts in a in a in a row, and this was a new uh, trumpet concerto by a the composer from Amsterdam, Timon van Tol, which is a coincidence because I met him during my studies in Amsterdam, and we were uh, already friends at the time. So it's very uh, uh, cool to come together again and it was really a really nice uh, piece almost it's like 20 something minutes and with uh, with full orchestra so this was uh, great fun great fun can you pronounce his name again his name is Timon van Tol very Dutch name again I'll, I'll I'll write it to you on whatsapp because there's a quiz for my listeners after the episode so I see well this could be a tricky question yeah I like your philosophy as to like how music how trumpet relates to life and like when you were describing what you do, you're like your elevator pitch. You said that your, your job is to give people a moment of peace, a moment of happiness. And I'm just going to say it and, and I mean no offense, but it's kind of unusual for a young man of your age to have that type of insight. And I just have to assume that it has to do with some of the people like Jens Lindemann, Sergei Nakaryakov, who have been kind of mentors to you. And I, and I just want to pick your brain a little bit about who has been your role models, who has been your mentors, both as trumpet players, as people, as, as an individual, musician. Tell us about your mentors and the impact they've made on you. Those... Um I'm definitely not saying they, they come and go, but uh, you meet new people through time and you get inspired uh, many times. As I said from the beginning, it was Winton uh, and Sergei Nagyakov, but Jens Lindemann played a big role in my life as well. I visited him uh, three consecutive years in Banff, Canada, where we worked uh, during the brass residence um, in the Banff Center. This was a summer course. And uh, yeah, I met him in Amsterdam during a master class. And he was a big influence. I was a young, young, young guy at that time, and I really looked up to him. Yeah, you're a you're a young guy now. Yeah, imagine. So that. how young <laughs> how young were you? Um, I was. This was 15, 16, 17, Those years. Okay, yeah, got it. So he uh, he he knew that, and he uh, made use of that in a very good way, and he really uh, pumped me up for something. But uh, to to tell you how I. Uh, uh, talk like this about a moment of peace I'm just speaking out of own experience because when I was listening to people like Jens or like uh, uh, Sergei, like Winton like my teacher Fritz Damro who taught me many things over the years who I studied now also with in Zurich 
when I heard them play some some incredibly beautiful uh, performances, I realized that I was in. There was nothing there, just this divine uh, moment uh, through the music, and um, I, I I know that uh, that's a rare thing in the world to be so captured by uh, by one uh, specific thing, and that's the power of music, art in general, but music is my field. Okay, so you're a young man, you're sitting, um, you're listening to someone like Jens Lindemann, Sergei Nikaryakov, mm-hmm. and you found yourself just experiencing that moment of peace like Completely. you like you've just Completely. described and and you just said well this is what i want to provide other people with what i play which is easy said easier said than done obviously but uh, i'm working on it yeah. how do you know when you've achieved that with an audience well i'm responsible for my things so how people pick it up how they experience it that's their thing um i can just give all of me and uh, I do that also during the, the, the way towards such a concert in the way of preparation and also on the stage itself. And uh, that's all I can do. And I, I think uh, that if uh, you are at a certain level, that should be enough. If you experience this yourself, people will feel it and uh, will live it uh, with you. But of course, there's never guarantee since uh, it's completely uh, subjective and uh, everybody experiences it in its own way. Uh, but some people, something is so, some things are so beautiful that I can't um, imagine that anybody would deny the, the the beauty of it. Like what? Whew, some music, like some music by Bach, some music mm. by uh, uh, all kinds of, of different composers. I think that if it's available, if it's out there, if people would hear it, they would love it. But this is a little bit the difficult uh, thing sometimes in the classical music world that people are at first not that interested in it they think and you can't blame them because they're not uh, it's not uh, promoted as much as popular music but if they uh, decide to come together with their grandmother or whatever this is actually a joke to the concert then uh, they are always impressed not always but very often so to sum up if if you feel at peace with it then you just leave it up to the audience to interpret it how they choose to interpret it if they feel that moment of peace then great and if they don't then so be it of course uh, it's, it's all you can do you do what you do and uh, it's important to do what you do i think winter marsalis taught me that he says you do what you do there are always people who try to influence you um uh, to do it music uh, musically i'm talking now to do it in a different way and if you want to uh, give up some deeply held beliefs musically to please uh, others this is something uh, we don't really believe in and because it will not be uh, something truly sincere and if you bring uh, if you want to touch people in their heart then you can start with being completely sincere and bring what you feel uh, good with so do what you do and the rest is up to them so feel the peace inside of yourself please yourself musically and others will follow suit. Is there a time where you just know that maybe not the entire audience, but maybe one or two people are impacted by what you've done on the stage? Yeah, sometimes you feel it completely. It's the energy in the air. And uh, after the, the last note, you can hear the needle drop. This is such a beautiful moment also. And also a very important moment. You, you have to cherish such a moment of silence after... Uh, 
a beautiful moment like that. Can you think of a moment like that that you can share with us? Uh, yeah, for example, I not not well, uh, maybe so, a while ago I uh, made this video with the Debussy girl with the flaxen hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and this ends on a very high note. This is an, an, an A flat on piccolo trumpet. And it's a very long note and it, it it's with the Degas and you kind of sing it out. So it, it dies out and it, it will be in the air forever. And after such a moment, if if you play well and if everything goes well, then this is um, during concerts a uh, very magical moment. Uh, yeah, after such a piece, because it's a very it, people here also. It's a challenging register you're playing in, and if you can do that in a subtle and, and beautiful way, then everybody um, really appreciates it, including myself and the pianist. So a high A flat, meaning a A flat above the staff on a piccolo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I have a video of it on uh, my Facebook uh, page. Oh man, share it with me. Send it. Send me the link. We'll do. Yeah. Something that caught my eye on your little bio here is uh, you played the Soldier's Tale with the Maria Milstein. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, she's famous. You should know it. Well, I don't. So forgive me. <laughs> well, her, her grandfather was Nathan <laughs> Milstein, like one of the world's uh, celebrated uh, violinists back in the time. Friend of Prokofiev and stuff. How did this thing? How did this uh, come about? Uh, how did this come about? I yeah. I, I know Milstein. Uh, Maria, she's a fantastic person who takes a lot of initiative in the Netherlands, uh, uh, such as this one. And it's um, it's always been a dream of me to play this uh, this piece because there's such a, a story behind, and it's with a storyteller also. And this was really uh, really lovely to do. It's on cornet, so uh, mm-hmm. it was the first time for me, and uh, it's not performed so often. So I was happy to get that chance. Do you like cornet better than trumpet? I. Um, Others start with cornet. I start with piccolo, as we know. Yeah. Uh, I never um, played much cornet, but I, I really uh, love it now more and more. I bought a Schilke C cornet not too long ago, and I, I use it regularly. I, I really like it. Yeah. Do you feel that peace when you play the cornet more than you do? There is a very peaceful side to it, yeah. But you need to practice, otherwise you're having a tricky time. Okay. Well, my preference is the cornet over the trumpet. Okay. So I'm trying to mm-hmm. I'm trying to manipulate the conversation in, in my favor. Yeah, but but I, I love it. I love it very much. And I'd made uh, several recordings also uh, on Cornet, which I will send you as well. Please. Uh, for example, uh, some some very lyrical playing um, by Bach, but also the very uh, technical things like this motor papeto, I recorded that on the on Cornet. I've been practicing that for years on trumpet and I didn't get it to sound quite well and um, then I called Winton and I asked him how did you do it how did you sound so smooth and etc and he says man you need the the Bach cornet so okay I tried and it did sound much better and then after some months I dared to record it you're a daring fellow (laughs) how what is the process of uh, getting the gig to premiere a concerto uh, difficult for me to answer this is all on invitation Uh, the conductor of the orchestra I played with him before and he, uh, it was with a youth orchestra, so um, they wanted a young uh, person, and we knew each other, and he knew that I would be willing to 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 do such a thing. Also in the trumpet world, I did I studied in Amsterdam, in Maastricht, and now in Zurich, and it's not common at all to find fellow students who have also, let's say, soloistic ambitions. The main uh, thing they desire is an orchestra job, 
So that's also what they go for. They 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 go for auditions. They practice their orchestral excerpts and stuff. So um, in 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 that way, um, he came to me and asked, "You are the guy to do it. Would you be interested?" Which I of course was, and it was a very very good process with uh, with Time Van Tol uh, in in Amsterdam. I visited him a couple of times to work on the piece and. Um, this was this was great fun. It started on C trumpet, then some piccolo playing in the middle, and at the end C trumpet again. Okay, so the orchestra got commissioned to do this piece, and then they called you. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So I guess you would call yourself a solo. You're a trumpet soloist. It's what I uh, desire to be, at least. Yeah. I I I studied until uh, a couple of months ago. I finished now. Uh, all that I wanted to do because I wanted to make sure to be ready uh, for all the chances and opportunities that come uh, to my path, and I'm, I'm I'm ready for it now. So I'm uh, I'm really doing as much as I can. Wait, you studied like what a, a degree of some kind? Yeah, uh, okay. master uh, master of arts specialized solo performance. That's what I did here in Zurich. Master of arts specializing in solo performance. Correct. Why did you feel like you needed a degree to feel ready? It's definitely not about the degree. Um, I don't even, uh, yeah, I, I have it, but uh, it's not, not necessary. I never show it to people or something. That's more what I mean. I don't use it much, but it's more for the personal development. And um, yeah, to, to have lessons with Fritz Damro, I, had, I started with him at the age of 11. I was in young talent class with him in Amsterdam. Then he left uh, some years later to Zurich and I uh, continued with other teachers. Fantastic time. Theo Walters, for example, uh, made a big, big uh, change in my life and a very, very important teacher. But after I finished the study with him, with Theo, I uh, still felt that I needed to uh, continue a little bit more and the master of two years with Fritz would be perfect. And it really was. I'm very happy I did it. What I want to ask is, why do you need the degree? Why can't you just call Fritz Demro and say, I want to take lessons for two years? Uh, so there is, there is, you're right, there's more to it. And that's the, the facilities that are offered here in, uh, in Switzerland, but especially in my school, of course, where I studied. This is the Zurich University of the Arts. This is such a fantastic uh, institute uh, with endless possibilities. They have five or six beautiful concert halls, they have studios of the highest, highest quality. They have all kinds of different uh, studies going under one roof. And one of them is the Tonemeister uh, sound engineer study. And um, this allowed me to make many um, recordings on own initiative because you could make use of the, um, the concert halls, the equipment uh, from the studios and the, 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 the students who study this uh, the, the the sound engineer study, so I could work together with them uh, on making some uh, professional, if maybe semi-professional, since for students, recordings. And I did probably fifteen or something in uh, in the last one and a half year. So this is this is great, and this helped me very much uh, also to uh, to learn and to produce some uh, promotional material. Wow. Well, Floris, you're only 26 years old, so um, and you've already accomplished so much. What do you see in the next 10, 15 years? What, what, are, what are some of your goals, some of your dreams that you want to accomplish? Uh, this is, this is a, a nice question, and I would like to do, to do what I always wanted to do, and it's just to sing on my trumpet and play it in a way that I 
uh, adore as much as I ever did. And um, where it brings me, uh, I'm not, uh, I, I don't know, future will tell, but I get um, many chances uh, these days in uh, my home country and abroad. And uh, I will take them with both hands and uh, hope to continue our path uh, mm-hmm. of being a trumpet soloist, which is a rare thing because there are not so many. It's funny, we, before we hit record, we were talking about Chris Coletti, and he said there's really no such thing as a trumpet soloist as a career. Look at Floris Onstvedder. He's proof that there is a career called trumpet performance. And as I just found out today, there's a master's degree in solo performance. There is, there is. And of course, uh, unsurprisingly, I was the only trumpet player in this uh, this study. Yeah. Uh, all others from my class, they do orchestra or whatever. Yeah. But uh, so I was uh, between the violinist and the pianist. So it was just you, a violinist and a pianist. No, violinists and pianists. Violinists. There are many of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Violinists, yeah. plural. And uh, this, this is actually a nice thing, uh, a, a motivating thing uh, and a rewarding thing from all the, the, the solo master. Um, they choose somebody to play with the school orchestra after graduation as a soloist. Uh, and this is not, this is quite a, a big thing in the concert hall here and a very good, beautiful, uh, full uh, orchestra and um, they picked me I played a couple of months ago with the school orchestra although everybody I I expected that they would take a pianist or a a violinist so this gives hope for the future trumpet soloists maybe I can have you back on and we can talk more about being a trumpet soloist because there's a lot of people that that they're looking for opportunities and they they could learn a lot from you yeah, it's it's all about opportunities and they don't make themselves, especially uh, not on certain instruments. Uh, I have a very good friend of mine, Torvald Jürgis, and he plays the theremin, theremin, which is the most uncommon instrument you could think of with all respect. But he put in the right kind of work and he's playing all over the world now. So to those people, I, I listen um, also to see how they do their things. All right. Well, Floris Onstvedder is my guest. Did I say that right? Correct. Correct. You're getting better. All right. I love it. And we can find him on the web at floresonstvetter.com. Wow. What a accomplished young man already. Really nice and enjoyable, sometimes entertaining insights were shared on this podcast. So Flores, until we speak again, thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much, James. Thanks for your interest and love for the trumpets. Keep going. Trumpet Dynamics is produced by Beaten Path Media, LLC. Special thanks to Mike Vax for allowing use of Serenade to a Bus Seat for the show's theme music. To stay in the loop with the growing community of trumpeters who enjoy this podcast, just type trumpetdynamics.com in your browser, and you're off to the races. My name is James Newcomb, and I'm your host. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.